Hey everybody, welcome to the Chamber Channel's Five Questions podcast. This is the place where we take a deep dive with industry leaders for an inside look at their world and how they can make a difference in yours. Zachary Green has served in the U.S. Marine Corps. He served as a firefighter and he grew a $30 million company from the trunk of his car. He's been named the Ohio Entrepreneur of the Year. He's represented the United States at the Global Entrepreneur Summit, and he's also a best-selling author. Now he's a Hilton Head Island resident and will be the keynote speaker and moderator during one of our Small Business Week events coming up. He's here to talk a little bit about how there's no better time to start a business or own a business than right now. Let's listen. I just want to say thanks for being part of uh, Small Business Week and oh, that I'm day. I'm so excited. I am too. We've sort of broadened this is my the passion. Exactly kind of, what I focus on. This is the greatest time in the world to be an entrepreneur. The ability to write a book, the ability to start a business. You can do it all in 10 minutes from the privacy of your iPhone. Yeah. That's never in history have we had this opportunity. We have it. Let's let's talk a little bit, Zach, about your story because it's such an interesting one. You have literally gone from the trunk of your car to a multi-million dollar business. How does that happen? And you know, your clients are household names. Talk a little bit about where you came from in this journey. So actually it started right here in the low country. Um, in the early nineties, I, I served as a Marine over at Paris Island. And when I could, I couldn't understand how these kids that grew up in the inner city that didn't have their parents that were literally dodging bullets to work or kids in West Virginia and dirt floors, why they were doing so good at boot camp. And I had an upper class family. My mom laid my clothes out for me on the end of my bed my senior year of high school. When I got down to Paris Island, they didn't lay your clothes out for you. Matter of fact, it was a little different and I failed pretty miserably early on. But it gave me this unbelievable warrior spirit of mission accomplishment. No matter what's in front of you, you can solve it. And iron sharpens iron. And that really is what started me on my journey to entrepreneurship. I got out of the Marine Corps in the 90s. Uh, it just wasn't a good time to be in the military. There was a lot of downsizing. I was in the infantry. I wanted to go over and fight. And I was just training and training. So um, two years later, September 11th happened. And it really affected me deeply. I tell people I have the opposite of PTSD. I have survivor's guilt because a lot of my brothers fought and some of them didn't make it. And, and here I am, you know, out as a civilian. So my full-time job was at Eli Lilly. I was in brand development and marketing. I learned a lot about how you create billion-dollar brands, and it's all about solving problems. And um, I go in as a, I became a volunteer firefighter as a way to kind of get back involved and put a uniform on again, serve our country. And I got lost in a fire very early on. It was a horrifying experience. I got outside. I'm talking to my captain, and and, and he's saying, um, starts making fun of me. He goes, Zach, this happens to everybody when you go into a fire. You got to get used to it. And I start putting my marketing hat on. I said, well, okay, we have a big problem. It affects a lot of firefighters. There's a need here. And I remembered back as an infantryman that we had these glow-in-the-dark tabs on the back of our helmets so we could see each other at nighttime. And I figured out, what if I could apply the, that technology to firefighter gear? And I started working with these brilliant physicists and scientists about suspending these photoluminescent pigments and, and different polymers and resins and different types of carriers. And I came up with a line of products that firefighters could wear, it was like $20, $30 a piece, put on their helmet and they could see each other in the dark. 
I started selling out of the trunk of my car. I made 5,000 bucks in six months on nights and weekends. I would knock on a fire station door and say, hey, my name's Zach. Can we go in the bathroom and turn the lights off together? <laughs> and if they didn't beat me up, they usually like, oh, this stuff's pretty cool. And um, eventually my fire chief sat me down and said, Zach, you've got something that's going to revolutionize the fire service. You got to get serious. And I remembered a quote from Teddy Roosevelt. He said, when you're faced with a monumental decision, the best thing to do is the right thing. The next best thing to do is the wrong thing. But the worst thing to do is to do nothing. So I went to this big trade show. Um, I had a tent from Walmart held. The sidewalls were held together with uh, zip ties and duct tape. We had cardboard signs written with black Sharpie markers. Next to us are like these billion dollar companies with their hundred thousand dollar booths. I had a line of probably 50 people deep the whole show and I booked a hundred thousand dollars in business in three days. But I had a problem. I had no money left to buy raw material. I had no manufacturer because I was making the stuff out of my garage practically. I had no distribution capabilities. I had no infrastructure. And the other uh, people in the booth start pulling me aside like, you've got to start refunding money. you got to stop taking orders. This is getting serious. And I used some language I probably shouldn't repeat here. But I said, look, I'm a Marine and we always accomplish our mission. I will figure this out. I have no idea how I'm going to figure it out. But we can build the boat while we're on the water. We don't have to wait. And I did. And it was brutal. I mean, absolutely brutal. But over the next couple of years, I raised a couple million dollars in venture capital financing, ended up getting into exit signs that don't need batteries or light bulbs, counted Kroger, Home Depot, Walmart, GE, the government as our clients. And the company's now about a $30, $40 million company. But it was a, a brutal journey. If it wasn't for what I learned in the Marine Corps about tenacity and grit and not giving up, I, I don't know if I not only would have made it, I don't know if I'd still be alive right now, to be honest with you. What do you think holds most people who want to start a business back? I mean, there's a million people who want to write a book, a million people want to write, you know, start a business. What do you think is the biggest roadblock to them fulfilling their dreams on that front? It's courage. Um, courage does not mean not being scared. Courage means being scared, but having the strength to push through that fear. Courage of giving up the sanctity and the, the niceness of having that job from nine to five. If you want to have unlimited income potential and you want to get rid of that ceiling, you also have to get rid of the floor. And a lot of people don't want to do that. There were years there where I made negative money, literally lived off a of credit card debt. Uh, when I worked at Lilly, I had a great floor and I had a really good ceiling, but I knew I would never make over two or three X. As an entrepreneur, I've had months where I made more money than I ever could dream of. And I've had uh, months where I didn't know if I was going to have to go for bankruptcy. So you have to have the courage to go through that. And then finally, grit is the other big one because it's really easy to quit. It's really tough to keep sticking it out. Yeah, there's been a surge in entrepreneurship since post-COVID and during COVID. I know South Carolina alone has seen over a 70% increase in, in business licensing. What do you think it is about the time we're in right now that really is pushing entrepreneurship forward in such a big way? It's the greatest time in the world to be an entrepreneur right now. There are so many resources. I, I would say almost technology is the reason. The world has gotten very small. I mean, my my son, every day when he's on the uh, Discord or on virtual reality, he's talking to kids from Australia, from England, from Singapore. It's amazing. Your network, your market, which used to be if you made widgets and you set them up here at a store in Hilton Head, you only had access to not just the people on the island, but the people that came into your store. 
Now you open that same store up on Etsy, on Amazon. You literally have billions upon billions of people that have access to it. And now with social media, you can do very targeted marketing, which is really exciting because now you figure out what the avatar is, the persona of your ideal customer and all that resources from YouTube to Google, they will get that message right in front of them. Or in the past, you put an ad in a magazine and you were lucky to get, you know, one out of 10,000, uh, the right people looking at that ad. I found that entrepreneurs are also some of the most generous people in terms of their wanting to, to help other people along the way, like bringing them up. This is how I did it. Tell me a little bit about Warrior Performance Framework and, and what you started with that. So this started again back in at, at recruit training. Why did these people that had a harder life, that had more challenge, why were they so much more successful? And as I started doing research, I realized there's this concept called the hero's journey. I adapted it to the warrior's journey. It goes all the way back to Homer and the Iliad and the Odyssey. If you look at Star Wars, if you look at Harry Potter, they all follow the same arch. And it is the young adventurer crave something different. So for me in school, I had a lot of challenges in school, got in a lot of trouble, nothing illegal, but, you know, throwing spit wads and kicking chairs out from under people, that stuff. The, the young adventurer craves something more. And then you meet a mentor and that mentor tells you about what life is like on the other side of that, that, that realm, if you will. So for Luke Skywalker, he was meeting Obi-Wan Kenobi and he told him about fighting the resistance. For Harry Potter, he meets Hagrid, who says, look, you're special, you're a wizard. And then at some point in time, you're going to cross that threshold. For Harry Potter, it was very visual. He passed through platform nine and three quarter. For me, it was really visual. I told my job that, or my boss that I quit my job. And once I did that and I signed all that HR paperwork for out processing, I was out. I crossed that threshold. When you cross that threshold, it will never, ever go back the way it used to be. You can come back, but you won't be the same person. But that's when the real challenge starts. That's those trials and tribulations. That's when you start fighting those dragons. That's when Luke Skywalker fought Darth Vader. That's when I dodged bankruptcy, when I got sued, when I had product issues, when all these things. And the harder and harder that gets, the more you start to develop that rhino skin. But at some point in time, you're going to face that crucible. And that is that, that crisis in your life that everything that you've prepared up to this point is not enough. And that's when the abyss starts to come in focus. And for me, the first time I saw that abyss was when I was at Paris Island and I was failing. I was I messing up the marching, messing up stuff. And the drone instructor just laid into me and I just started feeling sorry. And the abyss came in. And as the philosopher Nietzsche says, when you stare long enough into the abyss, the abyss will eventually stare back at you. And what that means is if you've got friends or family that have battled drugs or alcohol or been in abusive relationships, the longer you're in that area, the harder it is to get back out. The same path happens for those entrepreneurs. When you start to realize you're not going to make payroll, when you start to realize something's going to happen, the two ways you get through the abyss is you have to conquer what got you there. And number two is you have to transform and change. For me, I resigned as CEO of the company I started. And the reason why is I found out that I was the problem because I was having micromanaging. I was focusing too much. I wasn't listening to my CFO who kept saying, Zach, slow the sales down. I'm like, no, the more I sell, the more money we make. Well, no, you have this thing called the cash conversion cycle, which is how long it takes for you to spend your money to then have it turn back to profit. You sell to these big deals, they may not pay you for 90 days and no one's guaranteed they're going to even pay you. 
and you got to pay all your vendors up front because you're a small business. So that's what happens. So then once you make it through this crucible and that abyss, you transform and change into that true warrior. And that's when you really are in that zone. And then eventually, after some time of doing that, you decide you want to give back and you want to become a mentor. And that's really, I think, to answer a very long answer to your short question is all warriors want to then give back and they want to train that next generation of warriors. And hopefully I can be that mentor that sees that young warrior that's still in that normal realm and tell him about what life's like as an entrepreneur and tell him to embrace the adversity. And in the Marine Corps, we have a saying, embrace the suck. The more it sucks, the stronger you're going to get and the better you're going to be as a result of it. But most people never want to even have to go through that discomfort. What do you think some of the top mistakes entrepreneurs make, especially those just starting out? What would you say are the, the top pitfalls that you see? So I would phrase this both as the mistakes, but also things to look at. I, I, it's real simple. I'm a big fan of Sesame Street. Everything's got to be super simple. I, I hate the Harvard Business Review complicated stuff. Sesame Street's the greatest teacher in the world. Three things to think about. Number one, have you solved a problem in a unique and elegant way? So the first mistake are people that make products that don't really solve any problem. Number two, you have to have an unfair competitive business advantage. This is critical. Think of David and Goliath. David beat Goliath, not because he was stronger, not because he was bigger, but he had an unfair advantage, which was his speed. When we look at these big companies that are out there and they produce things and you're a small company, you're not going to go toe to toe with them by getting a patent. I think that's one of the worst things that entrepreneur can do is get a patent. They're like, oh, I have a patent. Well, great. You don't have enough money to enforce the patent because it costs over a million dollars for a patent lawsuit. Why don't you spend that money on marketing and let everyone copy you? Because if they copy you, that's market research. They're telling you you have a good idea. And then you focus on your brand and what the brand stands for, your why. So having that competitive advantage and then the third thing, which is the most important, you got to have great sales, marketing, and distribution. You can have the greatest product in the world, but if you're so scared, someone's going to copy it. If you're so scared that someone may tell you it's no good, no one's going to know about it. When you and I were younger, there was no such thing as bottled water. Bottled water now is a $750 billion industry for one reason. It's distribution. Dasani and Coca-Cola and, and you know, all the other the things they got. I mean, it's still free. I mean, I don't care. Oh, yeah, this is Fiji water. It tastes so much better. No, it doesn't. It's it's still water. But you're paying six, seven dollars a bottle because of the marketing and the branding. Um, another thing you and I probably remember when we were younger is the pet rock. It was a freaking rock, man. We but had made, one in my house. Yeah. And you had rock parties where you take them over to your friend's house and their rock would play with your rock. It was all about the branding and marketing. So that's what I tell people is. You want to have a good quality product, but really spoke, spend your time on what is the problem you're solving and how can you distribute it and market it to the masses? Well, I think you know, what you said about solving a problem is interesting because, quite frankly, look at an entrepreneur who wants to sell ice cream. You might think that's not really solving a problem, but in reality, there is a payoff for something. If it's a business that's a luxury goods item or ice cream or something that most people think not everybody needs, right? How many ice cream stores do we have here on the island? Every single one of them has a line out the door, out the door. There's a problem there. You have people are hot they're They want to splurge because they're on vacation. They got that sweet tooth. And the reason they're popping up again, every ice cream store I've seen here on the island during the, the summer months is packed. They are solving that problem. Yeah, they are solving that problem. Now, you were you were noted as the Ohio Chamber of Commerce Entrepreneur of the Year. What role do you think? chambers play when it comes to 
startup success? So when I started my business, I walked into the Cincinnati Chamber of Commerce. I went to the reception of the first desk and I said, I need help. She goes, what do you need help with? I said, I don't even know what I don't even know right now, but I'm starting this business and I know it's going to be big. I need help. And so all these resources from the chamber came out. I got involved in the CEO roundtable. I started attending all these different lunch and learns and these different programs. The chamber has so many unbelievable resources because you've got not just the chamber resources, but you also have all the volunteers and mentors and people that want to be around that. There's an energy that happens when you're at a chamber event of other people with like-minded personality and that energy helps infuse your energy and networking and everything else. So for me, they really gave me all those stepping stones. And then as the company started being successful, I started applying for some of these awards that they had because of what a great way to get exposure. And as I started to tell my story and things happened, um, each of the regional chambers in Ohio, about 20 of them, they can all nominate somebody to the state chamber for the state award. And I received probably the greatest honor of my entire life when I won uh, for the entire state and the governor gave me that award. And for me, it was validation of all that time in school when I was told I wasn't smart enough or I wasn't good enough or I wasn't going to make it. I mean, I was a solid C student. And here I am getting that award. And the first memory that came into my mind was my high school teachers that told me I wasn't going to amount to anything. And like, wow, I finally have validation there. And it was just incredible. And so I'm a huge fan of the chamber and so honored to be now involved with the Hilton Head Bluffton Chamber now. We love having you involved. You know, we talked a little bit about the challenges of what it takes once you're in business to be an entrepreneur. You said there's no better time than right now to be an entrepreneur. There's really no better time to learn how to be an entrepreneur either. Let's talk about the book. Let's talk about the book you've written and and the information contained and, and what that relays. So the book really started as my autobiography. And as I started talking to my publisher, he said, look, I got bad news for you. Other than your mom, nobody wants to read your autobiography. You have to tell a story and you can weave some of yours in there. And so the story was what I just shared with you on the warrior's journey and what I learned through that. And as I started to research, I found other warriors like the samurai. What people didn't know about the samurai is they spent more time on poetry and calligraphy and rock gardening and the art of the tea ceremony than they did on swordsmanship. Why? It was about diversity. It was about being creative. It was about improvising, which is one of the most important things you need as an entrepreneur. There is no handbook. You've got to figure it out. And so as I started to research all that, I, I, I came together with this book. And the book is just a collection of stories of entrepreneurs and warriors and the different traits that you need as an entrepreneur. Grit, tenacity. I go over serenity. Serenity is a big one. Do you know what the percentages of entrepreneurs that identify as having depression as a result of their business? Hmm. 71%. And the reason that number is so ungodly high is because they can't share that with their spouse because their spouse may be worried that they're going to be losing money and, and lose the house. They can't share with their employees. It's lonely. There's no one to bounce that off of. And the other thing, you've got a 90% chance you're going to fail as an entrepreneur. Those are astronomical odds. In 10 years, 90% of companies are going to fail. And so what I want to talk about is how warriors can use their tactics to, to kind of overcome that. As a result of the book, I started getting out on the speaker circuit, doing podcasts. People kept saying, I want more, I want more. And so it's finally resulted in two companies that I've started now. One is Warrior Academy, and that is where I take 15 entrepreneurs and we go through a four-month cohort where we talk about warrior mindset. We go, and it's experiential learning. It's not just me talking. We actually have exercises. There's online videos. 
Uh, the second month we go through startup, we go over what a SWOT analysis is, business canvas model, planning. I really focus a lot about the founder's values because that's the most important thing the founder has to hold on to is the values that they believe in. The third month we get into scale. We talk about accountability systems. We talk about the importance of making the founder inconsequential in the business. And a lot of people don't realize that, but founders are usually really good at starting and they're usually really bad at running companies. You need to find somebody with you that can do the running part because, again, the skill set to start a business is vastly different. Trust me, I almost killed my company because I didn't realize that. And then the fourth month, we get into sales and marketing. And the exciting thing is at the end of this four-month cohort, we go to Gettysburg for three days. And we do a retreat where we all present everything that we've been working on for the last four months. We talk about how we solve those problems. And then we apply it to Little Round Top and what uh, Colonel Chamberlain encountered or Pickett's Charge on the actual battlefield. So it's all about experiential leadership. It's not limited just to veterans, but you do need to be a warrior. I'm just as interested as that person that just got out of jail after serving five years in jail and they want to turn their life around and they learn from their mistakes. I want that single mom that got out of that abusive relationship and she will do anything it takes to get that money to make sure kids can go to a nice college. I want people that embrace the suck and grow and I will give you every single thing you need of the of the, uh, the 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 manual and the steps to become a very very successful entrepreneur and then create a community around that also. That sounds pretty fantastic. You know, there's also a surge we've seen uh, in older entrepreneurs. I think that's very important in our area as well. The retirees, you know, it used to be just young 20 somethings and that's sort of that, that's what you see in the media so much, but really there is no age limit to entrepreneurship is there with the group we're seeing now, older Americans really wanting to do their own thing. I'm so glad you brought that up because um, I teach a lot of different courses at the universities on entrepreneurship and they actually have entrepreneurship as a class. And I think that's horrible because what I tell everyone is don't even think about starting a, your own business until you're at least 30. You want those first couple of gray hairs to start poking out before you start. And the reason why is you need to get life experience. You need to find people that do things really, really good and shamelessly copy the hell out of them. Get the job like I did at Eli Lilly. Learn Six Sigma. Learn all this stuff. Pull as much of that as you can. And then when you're ready, you got all that experience. But when you come right out of college and think you're going to be flying on the G5 and driving all these guys, that, that, that's myth. That stuff's fake. The other thing is the people that come down here to the Hilton Head, Bluffton, Buford area, they're usually pretty successful people in their own right. I mean, the, the houses here are not inexpensive. What got them to that point where they can now retire here is not, they're not going to sit on the chair and in the Lazy Boy and watch right. reruns of I Love Lucy. They want something to do. And so now you've got this wealth of knowledge and I want to give them that opportunity to get back into that warrior journey and become the mentor to that next generation and help build and help to grow other people because that's going to keep them on their toes. And, and you know, the type of people that um, usually were very successful in business, they did that through hard work and they don't like to just sit around and do nothing. Well, Zach, we're, we're so excited. We're going to have you with us, join us on a, on a seminar we're doing coming up here, Road to Entrepreneurship, how to, the, the roadmap to getting where you want to be with entrepreneurship and also how to take your own business to the next level. What do you hope people leave that room with that day? What do you hope those attendees get out of that, that seminar? You know, I want them to understand that business is not about the what and the how, it's about the why. 
And I really want them to, to, to realize how they can build a community around their why, how they can have the courage uh, to be okay and do this. And the beauty is you don't have to do it all at once. You can dip your foot in it a little bit. It's called the side hustle, which used to be a bad word. Now it's actually kind of cool. Yeah, hey, I got the side hustle doing whatever. But my hope is to show them, look, if a dumb Marine infantryman like myself can figure out how to do this, trust me, a lot of other people are a hell of a lot smarter than me. They can do it. I'm going to show them using those Sesame Street tactics, how we can build those blocks and build that successful entrepreneur program and do it down here in the low country, which is just such a great place to, to live and work and, and grow. We can't wait to find out. Thanks, Zach. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. The podcast continues to grow and never miss an episode of our Five Questions podcast by subscribing to the Chamber Channel on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take a moment to download, subscribe, and leave us a review. It helps us reach more people.